0: welcome to spooky south ghost look i know the supernatural is something that isn't supposed to happen but it does it am
1: 1420 wbsm presents spooky south Coast with your hosts tim weisberg and matt Costen.
2: Good evening and welcome to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin, Matt Costa. Science advisor Matt Moniz is actually out in the field tonight. Uh, hopefully we can catch up with him for a few minutes before the end of the program. We are starting a little bit late because yet another Saturday night, yet another extra innings Red Sox game. And uh, I guess the good news, if you're a Spooky South Coast fan, it's bad news if you're a Red Sox fan, but if you're a Spooky South Coast fan, it looks like the good news is... Uh, the playoff hopes are dwindling as uh, the weeks go by, which means that we'll be here at our regular start time <laughs> every Saturday night through October. Um, I know that next week we're on at after a 7 o'clock game. The week after that, uh, it's, a, it's a 9 o'clock start time, and we haven't quite decided what we're going to do yet, if we're going to take the night off or if we're going to come in early. Uh, then the week after that, I think it's a 4 o'clock game, or we get got a couple of 4 o'clock games. And then the last series of the year against the Yankees, they have not announced yet what the times will be for that Saturday game. But hopefully it will be a, a 1 o'clock or a 4 o'clock national game. And then we'll be in at our regular time. So just stay tuned to SpookySouthCoast.com. We'll have all the information up there. And, of course, just join us in the chat room at Fate Radio. Uh, you can always go in there and we'll be updating it. Because, you know, we're still here. Even if we're not on the air, we're, we're still here. And we're still getting ready for the big program, so you can watch what's going on in the camera and uh, you'll have an idea of when things are going to happen. So uh, we're actually going to join our guest in a few minutes. Uh, S.M. Belikarov is going to be joining us. He is the author of, Matt, if you can hand me that book. I'm going to hold it up to the uh, camera. He's the author of 2012, the Paranormal Cookbook, uh, which you can pick up online. And it's uh, it's a great read. It's a a really good overview of all things paranormal, and it mentions a number of specific cases. We're going to get into a lot of that with Sean uh, a little bit later on. And uh, like I said, we'll also talk with Matt Moniz as well. Uh, But before we get going with the program, uh, I did have a few announcements that I wanted to make, and uh, it was brought up in the chat room by our buddy Mark the Paranormal Pirate. Uh, But today is actually the anniversary of the... Surrender of Annawan at Anawan Rock. It was August twenty eighth, 1676. So if you can do some really quick math in your head, it was, uh, what, like 324 years ago? No, yeah. 334 years ago? Sounds yeah, right. Yeah, 334 years ago. So uh, anybody that's out there at Anawan Rock, we say hello, and uh, we want to tell you to stay safe and be careful. As we were talking about in the chat room, you don't want to contaminate other people's evidence. I know a lot of people are going out there tonight and uh hopefully, you know, everybody's getting their chance to uh, to investigate out there. But uh there is one story that I want to bring to everybody's attention. We'll probably talk about it a little bit more with Sean as well. Uh our content director Chris Balzano uh posted this up on the news at SpookySouthCoast.com, and this story comes from the Charlotte Observer. Uh, A man who was among amateur ghost hunters standing on a North Carolina trestle early Friday waiting for a ghost train was killed by a real train that apparently surprised the group, authorities say. The group had gathered on the 119th anniversary of the Boston Bridge train wreck, an accident that sparked one of the Carolinas' best-known ghost stories. Christopher Kaiser, 29, was killed when he was struck about 3 a.m. by a Norfolk Southern train, Uh, Ardell County Sheriff Phil Redmond said a woman who was with the group was seriously injured and airlifted to Carolina's Medical Center after being treated initially at a Statesville hospital. Several reports indicate Kaiser pushed the woman out of the way before he was hit by the train. So he made one last heroic act before the train struck him. The incident happened on a trestle near the side of the old Boston Bridge off Buffalo Shoals Road about two miles west of Statesville. They apparently did not hear the eastbound train coming until too late. There were reported to be around 12 amateur ghost hunters caught on the trestle when the train routed the bend, Redmond said. The sheriff said the group began running to the eastern end of the trestle and but Kaiser made it. Deputies found Kaiser's body under the trestle at the bottom of a steep ravine. Redman said, investigators, talk to some members of the group and we'll continue the investigation. So first of all, our, our condolences go out to the friends and family of Christopher Kaiser. Uh, again, he did make that one last heroic act of saving the other woman before the train struck him. But it is just another example that we talk about all the time of how you have to stay safe in the field. We always say, you know, when we speak to investigators out in the field to stay safe, but it's not always just the ghosts they have to be worried about. It's not just the different entities that you can encounter that you have to worry about. Uh, you need to also, you know, pay attention to your surroundings. And I think so many times people get involved with the actual, uh, you know, the actual activity, the phenomena, the reports, the investigation, and they're not really paying attention to everything else around them. And And that's kind of a a, a real issue, I think. So hopefully... You know, there's a lesson learned from this. Hopefully, uh, Christopher Kaiser did not die in vain. Well, certainly he didn't die in vain if he was saving that woman's life. And uh, our thoughts and prayers go out to his family and his team. All right, well, why don't we take a break? When we come back, we'll get into the discussion with S.M. Belikarov about 2012 the paranormal cookbook. We'll talk to him about all things paranormal. You're going to want to really pay attention to tonight's show because there's some stuff uh, on here, stuff we're going to talk about that is fascinating. Have you ever heard of Black Eyed Kids? No, it is not the children's group version of the Black Eyed Peas. They are not the version that sings uh, on Kids Bop. No, this is actually a phenomena that uh, Sean has been chronicling, and we're going to talk to him about that amongst numerous other things. And, of course, if you see the, the cover of 2012, the Paranormal Cookbook, you'll know what we're talking about. We've got uh, an alien, a man in black. We have the Joker, the Heath Ledger Joker. Um, a werewolf type creature and of course President Obama so too bad that uh, Matt Moniz isn't here because he could start commenting about the paranormal nature of President Obama why don't we take a break and when we come back we will talk with S.M. Belikarov, also known as Sean B and about 2012 The Paranormal Cookbook we'll be right back with more here on Spooky South Coast also on Fate Radio just go to Fate uh, Fatemag.com or click the link right on SpookySouthCoast.com We'll be right back.
1: People are strange When you're a stranger Faces look ugly When you're alone Women seem wicked When you're unwanted Streets are uneven When you're down When you're strange
2: All right, good evening. Welcome to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, the silent assassin Matt Costa is here, science advisor Matt Moniz out in the field. He's actually aboard the USS Salem with a number of other investigators. We're hoping to check with him a little bit later on before the end of the program for at least a few minutes and find out about what's going on out there on that ship. But uh, joining us on the phone, we have tonight's guest, S.M. Belikarov. He is the author of 2012, The Paranormal Cookbook. And it's a it's a fascinating read because basically it's an overview of all things paranormal, and uh, even if you are well educated in the paranormal, as I I like to consider myself to be, you know at least somewhat knowledgeable about most of these topics, uh, you get Sean's unique take on a lot of these things as well. So it's uh, definitely worth picking up, and it's uh despite the title, it's not a cookbook. I tried making a few meals out of you know what what was in there. You know, a little bit of chupacabra, added some extra werewolf into there, a little bit of the Joker, and it just didn't come out very well. Uh, it 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 basically it tasted like crap, but it, it read great. So it's a uh, it's a good story. So, Sean, I think you got to work a little bit on the uh, culinary aspect of the book, but other than that, it was, it was a good read.
0: Yeah, yeah, it, uh, the ghost goulash doesn't go over real well, I guess, so, <laughs> no doubt. I guess you guys have a Boston listenership, so I gotta say, uh, my wife, he's a big Patriots fan, so big up Boston for, for her.
2: There you go. Also a big Patriots fan is uh, paranormal author and researcher Jeff Belanger. So, uh, you know, I, I guess the Patriots seem to have a, a paranormal attachment for some reason. <laughs>
1: They got something going on for
2: yeah. sure. <laughs> I'll have to talk to Bill Belichick about that next time I cover a game. I, I don't. I don't think he'll take that very kindly. Kindly, actually, you want to hear an interesting Patriots ghost story? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they used to uh, practice on the grounds of the old Foxborough State Hospital which is actually a stone's throw from where the stadium is, and a number of the players would actually talk about how they would see things moving in the old hospital and they would hear sounds and screams and everything coming out of the building. So even though none of them would really go on the record about it, right. it, was, it was talked about in the locker room.
0: Oh, man, I'm writing this down because my, wife, my wife's going to love that. She'll just eat that up. <laughs> you, That was worth the price of admission the right
2: there. There you go. So uh, <laughs> when you were putting together the book, I mean, uh, when did the idea of everything seeming to be coming to a 2012 head uh, come into your head? Did you, were you already following this pattern, or was it after you had written everything down you kind of took a look at everything and said, hey, wait a minute?
0: Yeah, it has just been kind of an ongoing project of mine that I, I've been kind of you know tracking the 2012 date, and I don't think it really represents a firm, concrete date as, as you know, an uh, changing event type thing. But uh, it was definitely a point of interest, and, I, and then as we're moving more and more towards the 2012, I do think we're seeing just a flourishing in all things paranormal and such an intense interest uh, that you could have the right psychological makeup to actually see some of this really paranormal stuff uh, persist. I mean, just recently, we've had some interesting things going on, and we had the explosion at the TNT area down where the Mothman's at, uh, what, in May. And then uh, just recently, I guess a couple, three days ago, they had that big UFO uh, triangle, UFO crash out west that that was uh, seen by a lot of people. That was kind of an interesting, I guess, story. I haven't really looked into that one yet.
2: Well, I mean, one of the theories, too, is that uh, the more we pay attention to the paranormal, the more we can see it and the the more strength we're giving it. Maybe that's what we're reaching.
0: No, absolutely. I mean, just in the uh, in the just pragmatic effect of it. I mean, the more people that are willing to go on the record because they've seen, you know, on these shows other people talking about similar problems, so they don't feel like such outcasts and pariahs as they had been, you know, in the '60s, '70s, and even into the '80s. Um, yeah, you're going to get more and more reports, and I think uh, definitely on the second half of that question, it, it kind of follows our uh, logic. That's one of the main arguments is that. With more attention being paid to the paranormal, that does help it manifest in a lot of different ways, and and makes it much easier to manifest. And as we're moving towards this uh, society that's more and more accepting of the paranormal phenomena, we'll probably uh, see some interesting results from that.
2: And we, you know, we have what we basically consider to be the classic tenets of the paranormal, you know, your ghost discussions, your UFO phenomena, right. your alien visitors. But it, it seems like there's also a lot of different New phenomena that are rising to the surface, things that might have been going on for a long time, but uh, people haven't been paying attention.
0: Absolutely, yeah. I mean, you could make that case. You know, even just kind of in the flap window uh, type activity that you see in the Mothman and, and some of that stuff in the in the 60s and 70s, it kind of transformed in this whole another school. Uh, the Skinwalker rants, contact rants, a couple of other cases uh, that have had just this, this whole bouquet of paranormal phenomena with the UFOs, the poltergeist activity. Uh, mysterious cryptids, uh, crop circles, animal mutilation—the whole, you know, the whole spectrum there. So I think we've kind of seen uh, from those observations to almost a whole other school. You're Nick Redfern, you're Colin, uh, Colin Wilson, uh, you're Chris O'Brien—the kind that you know have an open, more open interpretation and kind of see the occult and some of these other higher magical practices tying into some of this phenomena.
2: Do you think though, as that as we do? become more comfortable with discussing it and as we do pay more attention to it uh will we find more answers in it because i mean it seems like as much as we're learning about it right uh, we're just getting more we're getting closer to the right questions but no closer right. to answers
0: right no absolutely yeah and that's kind of the uh the very interesting aspect of the phenomena that drives some investigators mad like you know uh the fact that it does seem to evolve with our perceptions the perfect example of that would be kind of the changes that has been seen through the Jersey Devil, uh, you know, originally cited as being this uh, this creature that had one one hoof, uh, a camel's head, a bat of a wing, uh, wing of a bat, and these type things, and, and then it kind of evolved to this Thunderbird uh, pterodactyl entity that we had reported for several years, and I believe it was in the 50s and 60s, it shifted to this uh, green, almost swamp-thing-looking uh, uh, bipedal you know, monkey-man type, type creature then you know we had a back to the pterodactyls and, and some of the more recent reports uh, including the one out of Wharton State Park has it as a humanoid with a, a deer's head antlers and all and with, but with red eyes so it's much more invocative of, of the skinwalker uh, idea so it's interesting kind of how these phenomena change or how we perceive them as different things and it's you know also consistent with the alien uh, very high you know that whole parallel stuff that, that a lot of authors have talked about.
2: And it seems like yeah, it is dependent on our current mindset as a society. I mean, right. what we believe and what our you know mores and and different social values are are kind of reflective in things. You know, uh, like even the devil. You know, he's advanced from being this goat like creature to these right. days he's kind of a, a slick Al Pacino individual.
0: Right, no doubt. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's he's uh he's kind of went through that transformation too. I mean, vampires. Originally, were these the walking dead, you know, just cover, covered in a death shroud a lot of times, you know, just stank, stank vampire breath. But now, you know, they're like the metrosexuals of uh, Twilight. So, mm. you know, it's a whole it's a whole different uh, thing, you know, as as time and media gets involved and, and it kind of changes perception. So it's, it's very interesting. I think that, again, you know, I think we'll be able to kind of understand some of the dynamics that are involved with the paranormal when we're looking at the quantum physics models and some of these other things that are... Uh, you know, kind of high science stuff. But at the same time, I really don't think we'll ever have tangible uh, evidence because this, this stuff that we're dealing with does seem to be like um, possibly interdimensional or uh, archetypal in effect. So, I mean, it's, it's really hard to get uh, evidence of something that, that may move between this and next dimension. So it's it's very interesting dynamics that are at play.
2: It's almost like when we can apply uh, new thoughts and new theories in science to it, all we're really doing is just taking the discussion in a different direction. Yeah, absolutely. It, it just, it's, it's still, it, it, what it does is it basically gives us a little bit of a footing in another uh, aspect of belief so that we can right. try and get more people open to the idea of it. Yeah,
0: it gives us a bigger grounding. But at the same time, you know, I've had uh, cases where, and I've seen, you know, uh, read about more cases where, you know, if you start labeling a phenomenon as a demon or as a specific type of entity, it really starts taking on that, uh, that role whereas at first it might have been more amorphous and not really concrete in, in, in its realization but it, once you start labeling things once you start putting images and people's uh, you know own personal perceptions into the into the mix and it, it just all helps to solidify uh, the manifestation or at least that's been my experience
2: so how did you get involved with the paranormal because i know you're an investigator as well as an author
0: yeah uh... Just kind of, uh, I, I would say I'm kind of uh, a maniac by a uh, genetic predisposition for one thing. I mean, I'm uh, in, in the old country, my dad was uh, first generation coming over from Russia, and, and uh, our family over there is a little bit odd to begin with. They they do some odd things, you know, like to uh, go to these. Uh, the, we had one uncle that was a uh, basically the Russian equivalent of a cryptozoologist. He was an archaeologist slash anthropologist, and would travel around to these places where uh, the haunted forests, and 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 he uh, tracked werewolves, and some in some of the family stories. So it's a uh, definitely interesting lineage just from that. But um, I just got out in the field. I think like a lot of us do, you know, at a certain age. You know, you get out to thirteen, fourteen, and you're, you know, uh, a lot of people in at least in this region like to go check out the hauntings in the local places, and it just kind of uh, evolved from there. I've always had the literature around that I've been reading on that for twenty plus years, so it just was kind of a natural uh, click, I guess.
2: I was gonna say, from reading your book, it seems like you must have quite the the paranormal library.
0: Yeah, yeah, I got about four hundred books, and it's open to all people. If you're in the area, of Springfield, Missouri, you're more than welcome to check out Spooks Study. So, yeah, we uh, we've got books on pretty much everything, and I try to stay up on things, but it's a it's full time job anymore because it is uh, a lot of things that are going on with the world and a lot of different aspects, like you're talking about, just opening up and, and and different aspects of the paranormal that are kind of becoming part of our culture, like the Black-Eyed Kids, like the Chupacabra and some of these others that are more recent.
2: The Black-Eyed Kids is something I definitely wanted to to talk to you about, because that's a phenomenon that I hadn't heard of.
0: Mm. Yeah, uh, it's uh, generally uh, a very interesting kind of phenomenon. It's basically, uh, in a lot of of ways, it mirrors the uh, vampire, demonic uh, uh, aspects, and uh, just the average story, uh, they kind of started circulating around 1998 a uh, Texas freelance journalist by the name of Brian Bethel uh, talked about his... He basically wrote the first account that was really on the Internet, and he talked about his friend that had an, an encounter, I guess, in Seattle. Um, the general encounter goes is you're approached either in your car or at your home, and uh, you're kind of startled. Somebody will knock on your window or knock on your, your apartment door, and uh, you kind of, you know, it, it catches you off guard, and you open the door, a crack, or you roll down a window a bit, and it's these... Two kids, usually it's two, sometimes as many as five, uh, usually between the ages of 13, and 19, give or take. And uh, there's usually two of them, and they'll they'll kind of have a, a Lenny and George of mice and men type thing going on. Yeah. One of them will be bigger, uh, silent, doesn't talk very much, if at all. Uh, the little one will be more kind of fidgety and, and kind of sneaky-like. Um, they'll basically come at you with a pretense saying something along the lines of, uh, my friend was in a car accident, uh, we need to come in to use your phone. Just to call the cops or whatever. Or uh, you know, I I have a, a friend just down the street. Can you take me down three blocks? I'll give you five dollars for gas money or whatever. And um, most people, for some reason or another, uh, do feel intimidated by these uh, these two individuals. And um, it's about this time of the story. Usually, they notice that these kids have totally black eyes—the so cornea, the iris, the pupil, the whole the whole nine—it's it's dark black eyes. So. Uh, people will resist and say no, you can't come in. I'll you know I'll call the police for you or whatever. And uh, the kids become more more and more persistent, almost to the point of belligerent. Um, they'll often make the statement, uh, "You have to invite us in. You have to ask us uh, In some cases, uh, people will report you know mild hypnosis, like in the Bethel story. He he had no intention to letting the kid in, but he found himself just uh, kind of his hand just drifting over towards the door to open it up. Um, Generally, you know, you'll you'll have the people, you know, they de- decline, decline, decline. No, you can't come in, and eventually they'll close the door, roll up the window, and go on with their thing. Um, and a, a lot of stories, the kids disappear, you know, whether it be in a uh, stairwell that has no exit or an alley that has no exit, or uh, we have a case of uh, a little boy disappearing from inside a locked theater. Uh, security had uh, found him, so um, they do have that tendency as well. So, in that little story there, we do see. Uh, the, the need for invitation Which is consistent with a lot of the vampire lore Some of the demon, you know, demon mythology um, Theology You, you see the, uh, the the hypnotism Which is, again, you know, vampire You know, it's is consistent with the, the myths And uh, you have the, uh, the disappearance Which those are all aspects That could be, you know, consistent with vampire Or uh, demonic creatures And that's kind of what uh, people have Generally assumed about them From the beginning But there's some, you know Other aspects that are kind of more interesting that actually point towards maybe possibly being a manifestation of uh, men in black type type entities, and and that's kind of uh, what we talk about in the book too.
2: Well, I was going to say the idea of the uh, the the question for help, and and, you know, the whatever whether it be you know probably a false pretense um, for approaching the people. And the fact that they do get bell- belligerent—it it sounds almost like a lot of these uh, alien encounters that people have had, of the aliens in humanoid form, you know, some of the ones that like Keel would talk about.
0: Yeah, no, no, absolutely, um, and it's, it is consistent with uh, with especially with Keel's uh, Kiel's, uh Mothman prophecies uh, In a lot of our reports that we've had either emailed, sent to us through the mail, uh, or uh, related to us over the phone. You have um, them wearing contemporary clothes. But they usually are wearing some kind of checkered gear, um, whether it be a pants, shirt, hat. Um, but in a high percentage of these, you know, this being plaid or, or some kind of checkered type and uh, That's that's kind of an interesting thing because it is something that they talk about uh, in the Mothman Prophecies, and, and it does tie into some of the occult practices and some of the uh, the Masonic lodges' uh, their 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 gear, and some of some of the other magical uh, circles use uh, the checkered. And you know, of course, you got the the checkered-type uh, clothes of the the, the grinning man and also the uh, the phantom clowns that pop up every once in a while. So that was one aspect that was definitely in the realm of that. And the other thing that was uh, interesting is that usually when I give this story, and this is the first image I had in my head uh, when I first read the story, I, I had the image of these pale, pasty, village of the damned, children of the corn-type kids. Mm-hmm. And um, what actually seems to be much more the case is they do seem to be ethnic, um... I've had reports from uh, people saying Haitian, uh, Samoan, Korean, which always gives me a chuckle because my wife's from Korea, um, and and they do tend to have darker features. And this is you know consistent again with Keel and some of the things he said about the, having uh, you know basically a lot of the people that were tramping around the West West Virginia hills were were uh, darker-skinned folks, Oriental uh, gypsies, you know. So it's it's very interesting parallels that we find there. Um, at the same time they do seem to, to gravitate towards more of the cities um, we do have reports I think now in 23 states uh, of the wow. black eyed kids but um, we do see the greatest concentration in the cities the hot spots uh, so far have been New York Boston uh, Philadelphia Seattle and Portland so.
2: and, and there doesn't seem to be anything someone can do to uh, if somebody want to go out and investigate the phenomena there's no way to really draw them in it yeah, just happens yeah
0: you know, that's that's the thing is, you know, it's, it's about as, as simple as, as hunting down a vampire or a werewolf. You know, it's almost hit and miss. You know, you'll have certain uh, areas that are more likely, like I said, it's the, the metropolitan setting is more likely to produce these type uh, well, well, entities, but it's not. You know, there is nothing. You, can, you may be able to go to coffee shops. We've had more reports uh, from coffee shops than anything. We've had, I think it was three from Starbucks, two from Dunkin' Donut type establishments and a couple from unnamed coffee shops.
2: So. But, but you don't get a lot of repeat uh, yeah, right. cases in the same exact spot.
0: Right, right, right. So it's, it's just kind of trying to track something hit and miss, and that's why I've kind of just tried to put a profile together just to look at the experiences uh, in their totality because it is really hard to, you know, uh, uh, even if you get to the city where these things are, are, are manifesting, you know, it's... it's to track down the individual witness, let alone you know the 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 creatures that uh, they had some small interaction with. So it's yeah, it's a very interesting uh, phenomenon. A lot of people do seem to be reporting it. And do uh, you know? Do seem legitimately uh, shooken over the experiences. So that that's all I can really say from one way or the other on them.
2: Well, I mean, I, I always say I can handle pretty much anything in the paranormal, but for some reason, anything to do with kids really freaks me out. I think it goes back to the old days of when I would watch Poltergeist, and, you know, the whole movie wouldn't freak me out, but then those kids would right. start singing at the end, and it just... Yeah,
0: it's, it's, kids had a whole other uh, creepy factor. They ratchet it up a notch, because it is something with disconnect. You know, you have this just uh creepiness factor on top of, you know, the child innocence that's lost and stuff. So it it's definitely takes it up a notch.
2: So, and now... You mentioned getting these reports from all over, but you're you're based in the Ozarks right 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 right, and so you guys have your own you know unique phenomena there, whether it be you know different legends or different cryptos right. that are spotted in the area. What are some of the stories that come out of that region
0: uh, in two thousand and nine we had the uh paul the Nixa hellhound uh, flap, I guess you would say it was about a four month period from right around April fools of uh, two thousand nine till um, near the middle of august and and we had um a lot of reports were coming out, and uh, basically was, you know, consistent with uh, with two types of creatures. There was the flesh and blood animal, which was uh, uh, seemed to be like a great dane, possibly that was loose, and there was uh, something else that was roaming around. It was it was uh, something that was much bigger. Uh, was described as being this, having the size of a deer, uh, big as a buck, is about the correct quote. So something very big, very uh, black, uh, very uh, aggressive. Uh, with huge, huge shoulders, huge eyes, and and something that would be you know classified in in, in our literature as, as the hellhound, and um, the hellhound is definitely one of those phenomena that's been you know is worldwide. You know they're they're uh, they're superstars. They used to be uh, among the top two or three uh, cryptids reported. You know for for hundreds of years. Um, here in the Ozarks, we have what's called the booger dog, is is what our local name for him is, and. It's interesting because about every thirty years or so, he'll pop up. He'll will show up and kind of almost seem to remind uh, maybe the the population, the the folks that are still here, that he's still around. And it's uh, it's always along Highway 13 or uh, or uh, uh, Route 44, and it's usually along Highway 13, which is Old Wilderness Road uh, here in the Ozarks. And uh, it's again, you know, it's just very interesting because you do see him following the same patterns, the same routes, and reported, you know, in generations, you know, three generations, well, 30 years, you know, uh, once once after each other, and it's something that's been occurring since 18 uh, 1887 at least, uh, with a lot of folklore and a lot of names of people and, and encounters that you know actually happened and and uh, that have been documented throughout uh, the area. So it was it was definitely something interesting because our accounts. Uh, while being more modern, were definitely very similar in that that you had elements of fire and electricity that were very consistent with with the hellhound that was reported in this area.
2: It's interesting that you mentioned uh, that the booger dog is seen along Route 44 because Route 44 actually uh, has its beginnings here, not, not too far from where our studios are. Oh, yeah. And we have our own ghostly legends associated with Route 44 in this neck of the woods. We have uh, the red-headed hitchhiker who is seen uh, right near the Seekonk Town Line. And if you're out there and, you know, supposedly he approaches you, similar to the black-eyed kids, you know, he'll approach you while you're in your car looking for a ride, and uh, you'll take him down the road a bit and he'll disappear on you.
0: Does he talk or respond uh, when talked to?
2: There's there's different uh, accounts. In some accounts, uh, he does... Uh, Seem to pay attention to you While you're talking to him But he doesn't really say anything uh, The most frequent report Has him actually uh, You know Either yelling at you Or laughing uh, huh. But he, he's the strong Silent type I think
0: I guess so The manic depressive Either laughing or yelling So <laughs> It's all good then <laughs> and, uh,
2: and, and actually our, our content director Chris Balzano Who's in the chat room On Fate Radio He actually mentioned that In the Charles Turk Robinson book uh, They mentioned that The red headed hitchhiker uh, Has black eyes
0: Oh really? So, uh, I did not know that. That's interesting. I'll make a note of that. And check the, that out. They're
2: all over. I mean, they just they hop on the road. They just go up and down the road. You know, get around. <laughs> right.
0: Yeah, you know, I, we have a we do have quite a few reports that come in from uh, truckers too. So that's you know something that could be consistent with the with the highway hitchhiker ghost uh, story because they've always been a big source uh, from the trucker folk.
2: It it's a we, we actually did a show recently where we talked about the ghosts of uh, Route sixty six. Right, right. It seems like when you have these long, you know, interstate roads, yeah. th- they have phenomena along them. But the phenomena changes from state to state and from region to region. There's always these different types of reports.
0: Yeah, that's that has always kind of been interesting to me. Like the idea that uh, you know I've I've got you know, and I think we've all read reports about you know people being uh, accosted by skinwalkers while going through you know Arizona or for, through Utah. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of times, these are people that have no idea. Uh, what these things are, and that they have no clue, you know, what they just got attacked by, but it's totally consistent with the Skinwalker mythology. So it's interesting that, you know, you see these things that are sometimes seem specific uh, to a region, but it does seem to manifest all over the U.S. in just different ways. So it could be something to do with, you know, tying into archetypes, tying into the consciousness of, of the collective population and helping to manifest and sustain these
2: entities. What w- what is interesting too is when they do seem to cross these you know state lines so to speak, uh, everybody kind of internalizes the experience differently. Yeah, you know here the red-headed Hitchhiker has almost become something of uh, le- you know, something of a select par celebrity. You know people right. want to go out and experience it. In other parts, you know they might go down the road and you try to avoid it at all costs. You know you don't want to interact with whatever it is. So
0: yeah, it's definitely a, a fascinating dynamic that's evolved because you do have. Uh, both the social perceptions and then the individual perceptions that we have, you know, going to a scene, going to a place. So you have all these uh, psychological things that are at play. And and the more we look at the quantum physics fields and a lot of these, it does seem consistent with the idea that what we expect is what reality throws at us, basically. And it's very interesting stuff.
2: Now, in addition to the book, you also have your website, your spooksfield.com website?
0: yeah yeah it's basically just the the spot for the book you know usually uh, we do we I'm I've actually uh, work treat over at uh, Paranormal Underground uh, magazine thing and uh, they they should have a good article out next month uh, by us that uh, just talks about the Alaskan abductions and and uh, kind of the fourth kind uh, both coming from the movie talking about the FBI what they actually did out there and went out there and checked out and, and kind of the history of the town, some green green men sightings that date back a couple hundred years and some really interesting stuff, so that should be cool to check out.
2: Yeah, and you've sent us some stuff, too, that we're going to be putting up on com as well cool. in the coming weeks. Uh, Chris will get that up there, but uh, people can go on com to order the book. It's also available through Amazon and sites like that, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. The, hit up the Amazon or the, uh, the uh, Barnes & Noble's borders, any of those. Don't use my PayPal, because I'm a... More on when it comes to things technological, and I've had problems with it from the very get go. So, uh, you can also hit me at spooksfield.com, send me an email, or spooksfield at yahoo.com, and I'll hook up a good price for you guys. It's, uh, we'll go at like $5 for the book and then two ninety nine shipping and handling. So, Excellent. just uh, tell them that Spooky South Coast sent you, and, and we'll hook it up.
2: Beautiful. Thank you. And, you know, I enjoyed reading the book. I, I read it a lot late at night. And uh, I want to thank you for all of a sudden I'm reading through the book one night and then, bam, there's a picture of Pennywise. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's always that's always nice to come across a picture of a clown. That's, I love the uh, the quote we got for uh, the start of that chapter is uh, from Lon Chaney, a senior who did a lot of the monster movie, original monster movies. And he said, there's nothing funny about a clown in the moonlight. <laughs> so I totally dig that vibe. <laughs>
2: And we've had, uh, you know, here in Massachusetts, uh, yeah. in the Boston area, we had a rash of these clown sightings, uh, a few times over the years. And it, it seems yeah. to be something that pops up from time to time in, in different, it could be a metropolitan area, it can be a suburban area, but you just get these rash of clown sightings.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, the, the one that, uh, Coleman, uh, Warren Coleman talks about is, of course, the, uh, flat from 80 to 81. Um, started up near your guys' neck of the woods. I don't remember if it was Boston or Dover where the first sightings were. Uh, encountered, but that was where they got the uh, the phrase uh, "never takes uh, candy from strangers" because they had all these clown candy freaks uh, out there. And I mean, it spread across the U.S. Uh, for like 18 months. It finally kind of came to a culmination, culminated in a kind of a, a drastic event here in uh, Kansas City, Missouri, where they had uh, six six different schools reported seeing this clown with a machete. Uh, the cops were chasing around the city trying to trying to catch him, but they never catch any of these phantom clowns. Uh, And they almost always go around in uh, these vans that have broken taillights, broken doors, something wrong with them, you know. So it's it's a really interesting dynamic to have involved that, you know, you have this this car that should be easily recognized, that you have, you know, all these cops that will be chasing these these clowns around, and just nothing ever comes of it.
2: It's funny because I've often said uh, that it would be almost, you know, not fun. I guess fun's the wrong word. But right. it would certainly be an interesting experiment, you know, maybe some Halloween to have three or four guys all dressed up as clowns and drive around in a beat up van and see what happens. But, I mean, it's taken so seriously. I mean, you're liable to yeah, get that's, you know, arrested just for that.
0: <laughs> no, absolutely. Yeah, that, I wouldn't recommend that one <laughs> to, to any of the listeners. But that would be a very interesting, uh, you know, see, see how far down the block you get, you know, <laughs> with that you know, compared to the ones that, yeah, um, the most recent out- outbreak was, I believe, in Chicago in 2000, uh, 2009. and uh, it kind of uh, basically started in Wicker Park, and then the cops the cops you know are reported saying it spread throughout the city, uh, and and definitely Chicago has a very clown archetype history to it. I mean, it's where Bozo was on WGN for years and years in the seventies and eighties was the, you know probably the second most popular clown, Ronald McDonald. Um, Ronald McDonald, the first one was actually born. Uh, in Illinois, uh, the first actor that played Ronald McDonald, and of course you've got the uh, the serial killer John Wayne Casey that uh, used to dress up as a clown to do parties and such. And that's uh, from Chicago. So you had this kind of this backdrop. Um, but I think what seemed to be the catalyst event was uh, probably the, the Heath Ledger uh, death. It was a very a very prolific role, and it, you know it was iconic almost. And and people having that on their attention during that uh, time, I think, kind of manifested that. Phenomena, because the uh, the prime the biggest part of the movie was actually filmed uh, for the Dark Knight was filmed in Chicago, so I think it just kind of acted as like an egregore, it basically became a thought form that kind of uh, manifested in our reality.
2: Well, now I have to do you know my little Matt Moniz impression. <laughs> uh, hey, bro, you forgot the biggest clown to come out of Chicago.
0: Yeah, right. No. President Obama. Yeah, he's on the book too, you know, because he's definitely. <laughs> uh, uh, In some people's eyes, definitely got that trickster archetype uh, politician thing going. So, um, politics aside, you know, I try to stay out of politics as much as I can. Me
2: too.
0: You know, I I definitely got my opinions on things, but I'm a New World Order tinfoil hat type guy that voted for Paul, uh, Ron Paul. So, you know, my political views are already marginalized at best.
2: (laughs) I I keep I keep my politics out of the show, but sometimes (laughs) Matt Moniz can't help himself. So, I, you know, whenever (laughs) I can take a dig at him when he's not here, I always make sure that I do.
0: No doubt, no doubt. There's definitely an argument that could be made for the case.
2: Now, one of the uh, interesting topics that you discuss in the book, and it's uh, definitely on people's minds now uh, with the release of the, the film The Last Exorcism. I mean, yeah. people are talking about this now. It's in the news. It's it's actually in legitimate news circles, and it's being discussed in the Catholic Church. There is a rise in exorcisms.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and actually, you know, for probably the last 10 or 15 years, there's been kind of a rise in, in a lot of the back country exorcisms i know we've had uh, a lot more in this area that have been kind of undocumented they didn't call the catholic church they just kind of did a homemade version of it and uh yeah i think that's something that's been on people's minds and been you know kind of uh definitely throughout the the media too you know there was intense interest in exorcism by Emily rose anna michelle uh and and you know some of these other movies that have uh, really piqued the interest again so it's it's definitely the the in vogue at this time and uh that's why, you know, we're going to, have to do a lot of the uh, Halloween shows in October probably talking about the demonic influence and, and exorcism just because, you know, that's going to be the next topic for probably the next month or so, you know, so we'll we'll jump on that bag when I go with the rest of the folks.
2: And uh, I think part of it, too, is, you know, as you get into the Halloween season and people kind of want to get freaked out a little bit, th- so much of the paranormal is becoming de <laughs> day, yeah Yeah,
0: de- <laughs> you know. got. Yeah, you got to you got to go deep with the uh, you know you got to pull out the Phantom Clowns and the Black Eyed Kids and the the demons to 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 do some scaring because you know yeah we are becoming a society that is very paranormally aware I guess would be the but um, it, it's interesting that the Paranormal Activity was really so successful because of the fact that it was dealing with uh, kind of the anonymity of the Paranormal Activity I mean most people that experience hauntings and things of this nature That's, they go pretty much through. Most of what that movie is about, except for you know getting into the last back end of it, but the thumps, the the screams, the things of this nature that are they're anomalous, but they're not like the walls bleeding. So it's it's it, that's I think that because people could recognize that you know the lights turning on and off by themselves, I think that's why it was so believable.
2: Well, and and I still to this day cannot understand when I see people write reviews of the movie or I see people discuss the movie, I can't understand why they keep referring to it as being like. You know, the scariest film of all time. You know, <laughs> you know I, mean, no, I know. Yeah,
1: lot, I'm with you. I'm with you.
2: <laughs> I know a lot of it was great marketing uh, on the part of yeah. the, the distribution team because, oh, absolutely. you know, we got sucked in, sucked into it a little bit when the movie came out. But <laughs> I, if people think that's scary, you know, come with us on an investigation sometime. Uh, and,
0: there's, I mean, it's, it's a, a, and what's what's weird, and I think a lot of people do kind of, this is after they've been in the field for a while, Keel, O'Brien, and, you know, a lot of Redford, I think a lot of them talk about it, and I know I have experiences just, Kind of when you pursue strangeness, strangeness becomes kind of the backdrop of your life. Um, I've had aunts and cousins that come and visit and kind of comment on how strange things are around me, the synchronicities and all these other things that kind of uh, pop up. And, you know, I really doesn't, you know, even phase me because, it's, you know, it's just life. That's, you know, kind of we've become blasé to our own existence at times. So.
2: Well, why don't we take a break. Uh, when we come back, we'll wrap uh, things up with Sean, and then we'll check in at the very end of the show with Matt Moniz, Who's out on the USS Salem, and and we'll we'll try and do some crosstalk too, so that you can uh, you can talk with them as well. Cool. All right. We'll be right back in about a minute or so with more here on Spooky South Coast.
1: Turn on all your lights, lock the doors, and pull down the shades. Spooky South Coast is back.
2: All right, welcome back to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with the Silent Assassin, Matt Costa. Science advisor Matt Moniz will join us a little bit later on on the show to talk about his night in the field out at the USS Salem. And on the line with us is our guest tonight, Sean, also known as S.M. Belikarov, the author of "2012: The Paranormal Cookbook." Now we're coming up on the Halloween season, as, as we mentioned earlier. And uh, I mean, to us, once Labor Day comes, it's Halloween as far <laughs> right. as we're concerned. But. Uh, We're, we're gonna be, uh, available if anybody out there wants to, to contact, uh, Spooky South Coast in the area. I'm actually going to be out promoting my book, Ghosts of the South Coast, which will be released in October. And uh, if any groups out there would like to to have me come in and give a presentation, a discussion, you can email me tim at coast dot com, and you can also get the whole Spooky Crew too. Except that's going to cost you triple. And uh, <laughs> and we we can bring in some multimedia, some evidence, some stories, and uh, basically we can do everything from telling you about the ghost stories of the South Coast to teaching you how to go out and investigate for yourself. So, again, just contact us. Uh, email me, tim at spooky dot com. And, and Sean, I'm sure that you guys are probably busy during the Halloween season doing a lot of similar type of uh, talks and presentations.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, it's always our busy season. We got, you know, usually, uh, uh trying to balance field work in with, uh, you know, doing some interviews and, and doing some presentations and talking to libraries and places, uh, here locally. So, yeah, definitely, uh, it's, it's our, it's our, uh, December ELF season type thing we're going at it so
2: it's you know i guess if you're going to get into the holiday spirit you know the hell is a good holiday to get into the spirit for
0: yeah no i mean just definitely got a distinctive feel for it. you know so the one time of year when everybody's trying to be scared and spooked and, and it's definitely uh it is interesting to see you know on the uh on, on the streets and, and and in the uh you know the society society circles <laughs> so
2: uh we were talking before about the idea of the demonic and the idea of how it is uh, in- increasing in frequency. Are there any other reports that you see that are on an upswing? Uh,
0: you know, it's been it's been definitely since the spread of uh, a lot of Christianity in uh, the '90s uh, with the missionaries going out. They've they've definitely seen an uptake uh, in the reported exorcisms and demonic influence in, in Asia, especially, but also Africa. Uh, so that's definitely been on the uprise as far as, you know, it's more documented cases and these type things. Uh, I think, of course, those cultures have kind of dealt with exorcisms uh, in their own way for a long time. My my wife's originally from South Korea, and her mom's what they call a mundang, which is like kind of a Korean shaman, and, and they definitely have exorcism rights and all that good stuff, too. So it's just a different way, I guess, of, of, of dealing with it, but at the same time, yeah, it's, it's more documented now because uh, that does come along with the Western uh, Theology and more of the documentation you know that were more media savvy I suppose
2: so in researching everything for two thousand and twelve uh, the Paranormal cookbook, was it a lot of uh, you know just going through your library and, and picking some of the most interesting topics to cover, or was a lot of this just in the forefront of your mind as an investigator I mean because so much of it you know you wouldn 't think that it ties together, but after reading the book, you realize the the similar veins that run throughout. Yeah,
0: I think, you know, probably uh, I've been lucky to be able to read a lot of really good authors, and the book is on the, the shoulders of giants and all that good stuff, because uh, of course, I'm a, my favorite is uh, Keel, but, you know, uh, recently, of course, Colin Wilson does some really good job with the occult and beyond the occult. Uh, there's hundreds of authors out there that have been influential, so I'm lucky to have that little bit of that base understanding and just kind of going from there, because you start... Uh, looking at patterns, you know, I mean, when you're studying all this stuff, and it's, you start to see certain things do pop up, like the checkered shirt phenomena, or uh, the fact that you have, you know, Bigfoot sightings and then outbreaks of uh, PK, psychokinetic uh, outbreaks, basically, uh, that will occur at houses that were never haunted, or UFOs and Bigfoots that are inter- interacting, like at Contact Ranch, and, and some of these other phenomena that do seem to spill over. Uh, and it's been kind of this new model since the Mothman. Uh, documentation uh, and it's definitely been kind of something that's it's very interesting to see how the phenomena almost evolves uh, to suit our perception probably that's best uh, looked at in, in uh, "What's the hunt for the skinwalker by comb color and uh, uh, nap so there's it's, it's a new model of looking at things and I think that it's something that's been around for a while but at the same time it's for, you know like we was talking about earlier it's the first time we're really studying it and kind of looking at it in a broader sense
2: and the other good thing about the book too is you you definitely have your own unique style of re, of reporting this stuff too. Uh, basically, there's there's a lot of humorous spins to things, and uh, it, it, I mean it, you can definitely tell that you take the research seriously, but you don't take yourself seriously.
0: Yeah, you, know, you can't, otherwise you're gonna you're gonna wind up in a mental health uh, place by the you know by the end of the year. You can't uh, let that stuff get to you because uh, you, there is a lot of weirdness out there, and there is uh, a lot of stuff, and and you know it's important to be. Well, well, researched and well, you know, versed in in your field, but at the same time, with our field being what it is, Mm you
2: know, so that's that's our rule, is uh, you know, you have you can't take yourself too seriously, but you have to take yourself seriously. Uh, you can either look look like a fool or you can look like a nut. And
0: (laughs) very good, that's that's a very apt analogy. I love that. That's I'm going to remember that one.
2: (laughs) If I had to pick one, I guess I would pick, I'd I'd rather look like a fool, yeah. but uh that's good. the th- the thing that that I like to reading the book is i mean this is something that you put out independently right this is something that's yep. uh and, and a lot of times you know uh especially in paranormal media there's a number of titles that come out that way, right. and people look at them and they say well you know it's not it's not <laughs> yeah. published through a publisher right. so it, it can't be you know as important as some of these other books, but right. those, when you go through a publisher they they can limit you in what you can. Oh, yeah. And and I think if a publisher looked at this, they'd say, wow, that's too broad of a scope. Can you narrow it down? And by doing that, you do a disservice because then everything doesn't seem so connected.
0: Yeah, it does uh, take away from the underlying kind of uh, undercurrent of of the book. Yeah. I mean, there's so much information out there. I mean, the Internet's great, but I've still got cases that haven't been reported on the Internet, not from my own experiences only, but, uh, you know, that, you know, are in books that are on my shelf. These uh, 1960 pulp. Uh, paper books and, and you know it's it's very interesting what all is out there and there's a lot more than what's just on the internet so uh, you have to kind of go dig for gems on occasion
2: well speaking of somebody who has dug for gems uh, in the paranormal field we have Matt Moniz joining us on the line as well and uh, Matt you are on with our guest Sean Belakarov and i got to get you this book Matt I mean you can for those watching on Fate Radio you can see how dog-eared my copy is but uh, i got to let you borrow that Matt so you can check it out because uh, just like yourself Sean has a, a great overview of all things paranormal. Cool.
0: Now, know, uh, my friend.
2: Now, Sean, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of uh, the USS Salem, but you know, I can't imagine there's a lot of battleships out <laughs> in the Ozarks.
0: No, uh, we, do, we don't have a, a plethora of, of Ozark ships. So, you got the USS Missouri uh, that's, <laughs> that's docked somewhere, I believe, in the Arabian, maybe. But, uh, but yeah, we we have a distinct uh, lack of them. So, how's that, how's that going with the fieldwork, work, my friend?
1: Well, out here, uh, the Salem is uh, actually a heavy cruiser. It's not a battleship. It is like 50 feet short, known a few uh, hundred tons short of being a battleship. But uh, she was actually the flagship of the um, Sixth Fleet for a while. And uh, the biggest distinction is they've had more bursts than supposedly deaths and never fired a shot in anger. And... Um, it was used mainly as a hospital ship for a number of years. Uh, it helped with uh, the taking care of victims of an earthquake in Greece when it was in the Mediterranean. It just happened to be by there, and it took care of a number of people there. Uh hung off South America as a, um, uh, a, a hospital ship and served as um, basically a, a, a gigantic... Peacemaker, huh. for, for lack of a better terms, but uh, there have been deaths on board the ship. Uh, of course, a uh, ship nine over nine hundred feet long, and you've got over twelve hundred people on board. Oh, a large uh... mechanical ship, uh, you know, large. Yeah, you're going to have machinery. To. You're going to have deaths. Yeah, I would imagine. Uh, one of the, uh, shall we call it spirits, uh, is still helpful with tours. Uh, he, the guy by the name of John Schiffer uh, is um, still helping people out with tours, uh, even though he died of a heart attack in the windlass room, which is the room that raises the anchor. Right. And um, he has still been seen helping out with tours, and uh, they've had to explain to these poor people that uh, he's um, passed. Right, right. <laughs> so, but
2: he was a tour guide before he passed. Is that
1: before he passed? Yes, he he lived on board the ship. He served. He served on board the ship, and he actually uh, his his quarters are part of the museum in, in the ship, and is still, you know kept the way he had it with his uh, family photographs and everything. Very cool. Yeah. You know, so he, he he's still on board
0: ship. He's still on yeah. watch. He feels feels at home. <laughs> yep.
2: <laughs> now, has there been anything uh, anything going on tonight? Anything?
1: Uh, yeah, the the room I was talking about, the windless room where John had died of a heart attack, uh, they, they were hearing audible, uh, voices, and, uh, as well as several people getting EVPs that obviously you didn't hear while they were recording it, but it was still picked up. Now, uh, now what I find interesting is inside the ship, you know you're not getting straight radiation from radio signals, because the ship is a gigantic Faraday case, Right. <laughs> <laughs> so... If you're getting a recording inside the bowels of the ship, what you're getting is something that's being imprinted on it. Right, right, absolutely.
2: And and who's out there with you tonight?
1: Uh, Andrew Lake and uh, Sarah Coons.
2: And so basically, I mean, you guys have the the ship to yourselves.
1: Yeah, uh, we had uh, Eric and Paul from Dart, um, Kathy, and several other people. uh, A total of maybe about 20 people in the ship, 960 feet long.
2: So plenty of room, plenty of elbow.
1: Well, uh, plenty of room, you know, seven decks.
2: And, and <laughs> yeah. uh, the, the USS Salem will be uh, running, they'll be running uh, par- uh, paranormal events uh, through October, right? I know they do a haunted ship too, don't they? Where they, you right. know, kind of like a factory of terror type thing.
1: Yeah, they they do the typical Halloween thing, but uh, they're 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 actually working on doing paranormal stuff year round. Excellent. They're working on they're working on li- making it open and affordable.
0: Yeah, paranormal groups. That's. I think that's something that people should be looking at, you know, historical places. They could make some bank off that.
2: And, yeah, and keep it cheap because people don't yeah. have a lot of money to spend. So if it's, exactly. I mean, basically it's sitting there anyway. It's not like it can go anywhere.
0: Yeah, Legend Trips are becoming all the rage just because it's a unique family experience and it's very cost-effective. Uh,
1: it, it 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 breaks down to about $20 a person for the night.
0: That's, see, that's beautiful.
2: Can't beat that's, that
0: yeah i find that quite reasonable oh yeah absolutely yeah,
2: yeah. I, I charge monies twice as much to have me hang out with him and that's not even investigating <laughs> actually so he can be seen with me
1: uh, that's good stuff
2: <laughs> all right matt well thank you for checking in and uh enjoy your night are you going to be staying there for a while are you going to be there all night
1: uh we we're just uh andy and i are packing it up we got to get some stuff done uh tomorrow so we're heading out. Uh, but uh the guys from Dart and uh, everything else are still going to be hanging out here all night. So.
2: Well, just just a warning: the uh, I don't think the Beckfords and Braintree is open anymore. So, <laughs> all right, happy hunting. No late night breakfast. All right, thank you guys. All right, Have Talk a good night. You. Yep, bye. And and Sean, thank you for joining us. And I know we, you know we we had some trouble scheduling you, and we were kind of bouncing around, and we finally got you on. I'm glad we did, and hopefully we can have you come back on in the future. And we'll have those articles up on SpookySouthCoast.com as well.
0: Yeah, if you guys want to talk about a specific subject, just drop me an email, and uh, we'll go at it.
2: Absolutely, and uh, if anything comes across your radar that you think would be interesting, let us know. Absolutely. All right, again, the websites are spooksfield.com?
0: Yep, spooksfield.com, and uh, spooksfield at yahoo.com if you want to drop me a line. four ninety nine for the book, two ninety nine dollars 99 shipping and handling for Spooky South Coast listeners.
2: Can't beat that. Thank you so much for that deal, and uh, we thank you for joining us. We'll talk to you soon. Take care, brother. All right, have a good night. That is SM Belakarov Sean B. He is, uh, from the spooksfield.com website. You can go and order the book 2012 of the paranormal cookbook, as you can see here on Fate Radio. And, uh, we are going to be back next week again after the Red Sox. So hopefully it won't be another extra inning game. Uh, but we'll be here with another great show. And then we'll be, we'll let you know then what we're going to be doing, uh, on September 11th because we're thinking that, uh, you know, it might be a good night to take off anyway, but we do want to provide you with, with a program if it is within our capabilities and macos i know you're going to get up early tomorrow so it's uh it's kind of a we kind of can't sit here all night like we used to you know go on at 11 stay till 1 can't really do that anymore we're getting old yeah that's true we have like, grown up responsibilities now it stinks so. Yeah, it does. But, uh, thank you for joining us. Again, if you want to book anything, uh, in October for Spooky South Coast, or if, uh, you want to Ghost to the South Coast presentation, uh, you can go to SpookySouthCoast.com. You'll find my email there, tim at com. We can set it all up. And, uh, pretty soon we're gonna have, uh, like a blog up for everything South Coast ghosts as well. Because, you know, I'm, I'm actually starting to realize this thing's really happening. And I guess if, uh, if it does, I should really start promoting it. I, I know all of our wonderful listeners. <laughs> Uh, Will help support the book as well. So, And uh, thank you in advance for all that. Good night to everybody in the chat room. Good night to everybody listening. For Matt Moniz, from Matt Costa, for Chris Balzano, I'm Tim Weisberg. We want you all to stay spooktacular.
1: Rest assured, listener, that my time here has not been easy. And what you have just heard was not fiction. Although, in many a desperate
0: moment, I most certainly wish it had been. It's over for now, it seems. Or at least, until yesterday begins again. Tomorrow, 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 tomorrow. Look, I know the supernatural is
2: something that isn't supposed to happen, but it does happen.